0: Hello and welcome to the January 2020 episode of the MDS podcast, the podcast channel of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society. I am Michele Matarazzo from the HM CINAC in Madrid, Spain, and in this episode we have the pleasure to have with us Dr. Vishwas Dayal from the Department of Clinical and Movement Neurosciences at the University College of London in the United Kingdom. Hello Vishwas, and thank you for joining us. Hello, and thank you for having me. In this issue, we are going to discuss about the article you recently published in the Movement Disorder Journal, titled Short vs. Conventional Pulse-Width Deep Brain Stimulation in Parkinson's Disease, a randomized crossover comparison. Deep brain stimulation, or DBS, is a widely used treatment for advanced Parkinson's disease, and I'm sure that most of our listeners are familiar with the indication and the expectable results of this technique. Can you summarize in just a few words what are the indications of subthalamic nucleus deep brain stimulation and what are the most common side effects?
1: Sure. So um, as we know, STNDBS has DBS been around for well over two decades now. And uh, its main indication is for patients on optical medical therapy who are experiencing motor complications, um, including on-off fluctuations and levodopa-related dyskinesias. And we know that in these patients, compared to best medical therapy, uh, there are significant improvements in quality of life, as well as reductions in off-time and dyskinesias, with reductions ranging from about 50% in randomized controlled trials to almost 70% in meta-analysis data from 37 cohorts, as uh, reported by Kleiner, Fissman and colleagues in 2006. Uh, apart from patients with motor complications, other groups that may benefit include those with levodopa refractory tremor, who may otherwise respond well to levodopa, as tremor can often respond better to stimulation. And as well as this, occasionally we have some patients who have a good motor response to levodopa, but are unable to tolerate more than a small dose. And these patients may benefit from stimulation as well. Coming to the common side effects of um, subthalamic nucleus DBS, in the acute setting we often see uh, muscle contraction, which can be in the face and limbs, due to spread of electrical current laterally to the pyramidal tract fibers. And this, if it's present in the face, can also cause slurring of speech, as well as paresthesias due to spread of um, current to the medial lumniscus, Autonomic symptoms such as lightheadedness, sweating, flushing, and nausea, and the latter two symptoms often. Uh, transient as patients often habituate to them. Uh, You can also get stimulation-induced dyskinesias and sometimes limbic side effects with mood disturbances and behavioral disturbances. In the longer term, while we know that sTNDBS works quite well for segmental motor signs, it has less of an effect on axial symptoms, and in fact, axial symptoms can deteriorate over time. This includes freezing of gait as well as uh, speech. Speech can be affected by spread of current from the pyramidal tract as well as commonly in chronic patients to the medial cerebellar thalamic tract fibers. And we have data from our center looking at the decline in speech intelligibility in patients of hair testing DBS. And even as early as one year, this is 17% in terms of decline in speech intelligibility in DBS-treated patients compared to only 5% in medically treated patients.
0: Well, thank you for this very nice overview of of STN deep brain stimulation. Now, in your article, you talk about the concept of therapeutic window in DBS. Can you explain what it is and what parameters you can play with to change this therapeutic window?
1: Yes, so when it comes to uh, stimulation parameters in um, programming um, STN DBS, the mainstay of titrating stimulation is by changing the amplitude. The amplitude is measured in terms of current or voltage and it can be thought of as the intensity of stimulation. The therapeutic window is defined as a difference uh, between the threshold in terms of amplitude for the best clinical effect and the threshold for the first side effect and it's analogous to the therapeutic window often described for pharmaceutical drugs. In terms of other stimulation parameters that can be altered, these are the frequency and the pulse width or the pulse duration. In the early years of um, SD and DBS, there was systematic exp- exploration of the effect of varying stimulation parameters. And what we know from this about frequency is that the therapeutic effect is present at frequencies of greater than 50 hertz. And in fact, if you stimulate at less than 50 hertz, bradykinesia and tremor can worsen and even induced myoclonus. We know the ceiling of beneficial effect for frequencies in the range of 130 to 185 hertz. So 130 hertz has become the default starting frequency. Due to what we know about worsening of axial symptoms with high frequency stimulation, particularly when combined with high amplitudes, there have been a multitude of studies over the years examining the effect of lower frequency stimulation. This is in the range of 60 to 100 hertz. And most of the studies have reported a beneficial effect on freezing of gait, dysarthria, as well as dysphagia. The third parameter is the pulse width. And the usual range for this conventionally has been 60 to 450 microseconds, which is available in conventional devices. And seminal studies done by Morrow and Rezon about 20 years ago found that the therapeutic window was inversely related to the pulse width value. And so the lowest available pulse width at the time of 60 microseconds became the default standard. In the last few years, we've had devices enabling us to go lower than 60 microseconds.
0: Okay, so as you were mentioning, there are several parameters that you can change. But in your study, you are looking at the difference between the conventional 60 microseconds pulse width compared to 30 microseconds, so a shorter pulse width. That's right. Uh, What is the rationale behind this? Why did you choose these parameters? And why did you choose to go below the conventional standard? And why did you choose exactly the 30 microseconds?
1: So uh, since devices with the capability of stimulating at pulse widths lower than 60 microseconds have uh, become available in the last five or six years, there have been multiple studies from Germany, Switzerland, and our own center Looking at the effect of uh, shorter pulse width stimulation on the therapeutic window and confirmed that at shorter pulse widths, the therapeutic window continues to increase as, as seen in the older studies. The custom DBS study from Germany also confirmed that there was an equivalent efficacy in terms of control of motor symptoms when using a pulse width of 30 microseconds compared to the conventional 60 microseconds. However, we must remember that increasing The therapeutic window itself does not imply there is an immediate benefit for patients, particularly for those who are within the therapeutic window. And there was no data looking at whether patients suffering from chronic side effects could uh, benefit from uh, short pulse width. And this was the group we were interested in. With dysarthria being a common and problematic stimulation-related side effect, we chose this as our primary outcome measure. In terms of the rationale, apart from the known effect of short pulse width on the therapeutic window, there are two mechanistic notions to consider. The first is of selective stimulation of fibers to avoid those elements that are responsible for side effects. And this this comes from the work of Groper and colleagues from 2014, where in patients with thalamic stimulation for essential tremor, they found that chronaxy values, the chronaxy being a measure of excitability of neural elements from a point of stimulation, were significantly lower for suppression of tremor than for the induction of side effects, in this case uh, of uh, stimulation-induced ataxia. So they postulated that by stimulating at shorter pulse widths, such side effects could be avoided. And this has subsequently been shown in clinical reports uh, in patients with essential tremor treated with thalamic stimulation. The second and probably related observation from the early data on the use of short pulse width is that the electrical charge required for a therapeutic effect using short pulse width stimulation is significantly lower than than when stimulating at 60 microseconds. And this is a finding that has been reproduced across um, all the published data on short pulse width um, in SDNDV so far. And this also implies greater selectivity in employing or activating therapeutic elements of um, ST
0: and DBS when using shorter pulse width. Great. So can you explain now what are the main results of your study? Yes. So um,
1: this was a pilot study in the form of um, a randomized double-blinded trial with a crossover design. And we looked at 16 patients with moderate dysarthria, which was defined as having a sentence intelligibility score of 50 to 80% who had had ST for at least 12 months. And they were randomized to have treatment with either standard pulse width at 60 microseconds or short pulse width at 30 microseconds for the first four weeks, followed by the alternative pulse width for the next four weeks. Our primary outcome measure was speech intelligibility. And we looked at um, a whole lot of secondary outcomes of motor and non-motor Uh, assessments as well as quality of life scales, and these included the MDS-UPDRS parts 1 to 4, the non-motor symptom scale, freezing of gait questionnaire, and the PDQ-39. Coming to the results, we found no difference in speech intelligibility, motor and non-motor assessments or quality of life overall in, in this group of patients, and as expected, the therapeutic window at 30 microseconds was greater than at 60 microseconds as shown in previous studies. However, the more interesting findings from our data came from post hoc analysis where we observed that there were two distinct groups of patients who responded to the use of short pulse width. And firstly, patients with a shorter duration of DBS seemed to have improved speech at 30 microseconds compared to both 60 microseconds and their baseline recording. Uh, and In fact, the majority of those who had DBS for less than five years seemed to respond. When we looked at the mean duration of DBS amongst the responders, this was 3.9 years, and amongst non-responders, this was much greater, at 8.5 years. So this suggests that the duration of DBS may be an important factor in predicting which patients respond to short pulse rate settings. Now, if we think why this might be the case, we know that dysarthria is multifactorial. And apart from being caused by stimulation this can also be due to disease progression and we suspect that uh, in patients who had DBS for a very long duration disease progression play a greater part and and this um, probably made them less amenable to improving with uh, changes in stimulation parameters alternatively uh, it may be that shorter duration of DBS results in greater reversibility of maladaptive long-term stimulation effects. The second important post hoc observation was that most patients in this trial had low frequency settings in the range of 60 to 100 hertz at baseline. And five out of the six patients who had standard frequency settings of 130 hertz had improved speech intelligibility on short pulse width settings. So, As mentioned previously, we know that low frequency can also improve axial symptoms, including speech, and it is possible that in patients who are in low frequency settings, there was already a pre-existing degree of reversal of stimulation-induced dysarthria. And again, they were not amenable to further improvements with uh, changes in other parameters such as short pulse
0: width. Excellent. I think your results are very interesting, especially because we do have a subset of people who don't do very well with deep brain stimulation, and this may be either because they have side effects or because the, the results of the, of the simulation are not as good as we would like. So given the results of your study, do you think we should keep looking at changing the pulse width for this stimulation, or we should rather focus on other parameters?
1: I think given the findings of this study along with the collective evidence available on short pulse width STN stimulation, we can say that it is well tolerated. It's as efficacious with regards to motor symptom control as use of conventional pulse width stimulation while providing a larger therapeutic window. It is more efficient in terms of electrical charge and it may offer potential advantages in in some patients by reducing or avoiding stimulation-induced side effects such as dysarthria, particularly in the early stages of ST and DBS therapy. Having said this, there are more data needed focusing on this particular group of patients as well as those with other long-term side effects such as gait impairment. Regardless of this, we do have an expanded parameter range with respect to um, pulse width now, and there is no reason not to use this in clinical practice, particularly for patients uh, experiencing side effects on conventional settings. There are also devices capable of directional stimulation by using segmented contacts, and also uh, there may be a a cumulative effect, possibly, in combining
0: these these two features in addressing side effects. Okay, well, thank you, Vishwas. Uh, Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Yes, so a clinical tip for those have patients with side effects on standard pulse width settings if you wish to switch these patients to short pulse widths. A quick way of doing this based on the data from multiple studies which consistently suggest uh, that multiplying the amplitude um, at 60 microseconds by a factor of 1.5 will give an estimate of the amplitude required at 30 microseconds. Uh, And of course this can be further titrated depending on the clinical response.
0: Perfect. Thank you for this final tip. And thank you for joining us today. And thank you all for listening.